Well, and that was one of the conversations that I was having with Hawaii Life, you know, with Matt and Winston was to say, hey, you know, not everybody who's here actually chose to come, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. They could actually not be excited about being so far away from their social network, grandma who can babysit, you know, we need to not assume right. that everybody coming here is thrilled about it. You are listening to The Real Estate Sessions with Bill Rissa of Fidelity National Title, Tampa District. The Real Estate Sessions podcast is part of the Industry Syndicate Media Network. For additional real estate podcasts, check out industrysyndicate.com. Now, your host, Bill Rissa. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 192 of the Real Estate Sessions podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for telling a friend. I love sharing interesting stories from interesting people, and today's episode is no exception. Um, I actually spend a lot of time trying to find interesting guests, and every now and then they reach out to me, and this is the case with Allison Wisdom. Allison is with Coldwell Banker in Maryland, but she's also part of Millie, which is a group that helps military families when they're relocating and moving or having a, a, a change of station. Uh, she's the director of Agent Intel at Millie, and I can't wait to talk to her about it. Allison, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. This was, uh, it happened in a roundabout way, but I think it's very cool to be here. Thank you. The, the podcast for me always starts the same. I love finding out where people are from. It's this thing I have. It's my wife gets so upset because I'll, I'll just ask people at parties, so where were you born? You know, and I'm going to do it for you right here. I know you're in Maryland now, but, but where did you grow up? Um, let's talk about uh, that for a little bit. I grew up in Sylvania, Ohio, for the most part, and that's a suburb of Toledo. And all my extended family's from Waverly, so a small rural town in southern Ohio, but uh, Sylvania, Ohio is where I hail from. When I think of Ohio, I have some great friends in Columbus and uh, Cleveland, and it's, it's a, um, it is like the heart of the Midwest. And everyone I talk to who grew up in the Midwest they rave about it. They love the upbringing they got there. Are you that same person? Do you feel that way about it too? <laughs> yeah, I do. I do. I mean, well, I, you, now you laugh, you laughed a lot there. So are you sure? <laughs> yeah. You know, so I would say people think of the Midwest and it is just so average. It, it's incredibly normal. And that's, that means it's a great place to grow up. You know, it, and it was the 80s and life was just like a series of John Hughes movies. And, you know, we went right from pretty in pink to 16 candles to breakfast club, you know, and, and that's how life was. It's not too anything. You know, people aren't too yeah. crazy. They're not too overly friendly. They're not too closed off. They're, you know, good, sensible, polite, helpful, dependable people. And, and if I drive through Ohio today, I'm going to find that same thing. It hasn't changed, right? <laughs> um, you know, no, I don't know. I'd say, you know, looking back at family that I have, um, you know, a lot of my cousins moved from small town to bigger town. A lot of people I went to high school with uh, moved out, but a lot are still there. I tell my kids, I think that, that growing up in the Midwest kind of provided the basis for just some good, sensible advice. And I tell my kids, you know, even today, you know, people are talking about stranger danger and all this. And I tell them, most people are good, and they will help you if you ask, because that's where I grew up. Look, I think it's great. I, I'm a Southern California kid, and it was a 
I mean, California always got the rap that California got <laughs> to this day. It still gets it. But I always had this thought in my head. I was like, wow, like my dad grew up in Minnesota and we had some friends, you know, that were from Indiana. And it's just, that was the, that was like the place. You're right. That's where those movies were filmed. It felt like, you know, because they weren't shot in my neighborhood. They weren't, they weren't <laughs> in San Diego. Yeah. So I think it's cool. I, I, I I'm jealous, I should say, I guess. Uh, and, and Minnesota, I mean, they even have an accent. Like People from Ohio don't even have an accent. <laughs> That's true. Ohioans don't, but Minnesotans absolutely do. Let me, so you're in, in high school, you're having that. Um, it's, I love the John Hughes reference. So that's your, that's kind of high school for you, but you decide you're not hanging around. You're not going to Ohio State or you're not thinking about Ohio University. You end up going south. You went to Tulane University, which is, is that close to New Orleans? I'm thinking it is. Tulane is in New Orleans, uptown oh, New boy. Orleans. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> talk about the culture shock there. 18 year old Allison shows up at Tulane. How'd that go? Well, so actually I uh, spent my freshman year at Indiana University uh, because yeah. in my senior year, I somehow convinced my mom to let me go on a college visit to go down to Tulane. I, my best friend, her brother went there. And so she and I got to go down on a college visit together, which just happened to be during Mardi Gras, which I'm sure were, my mom did not know. Were, uh, there, were there air quotes around that college visit? I think that's yeah. what I saw. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, <got it. laughs> All right. But that happened a little too late in my senior year. So I, uh, I went to Indiana my freshman year and then I transferred my sophomore year. As a sophomore headed to Tulane, what did you want to do? What was going to be the result of your education? What were you going to what was the career you're looking at? Uh, well, I had to get there first. And Tulane was a significantly uh, different cost uh, than Indiana University. So, um, you know, I just I went down there for my sophomore year and I figured out, you know, I'll just figure out how to pay for it later. <laughs> All right. So, so my, my sophomore year, I went down there. I started looking into ROTC. Uh, I went down. I was studying biology and political science. And I thought, you know, this was kind of the, the budding of the environmental um, movement and or, or when there was a green industry um, developing. So kind of that's that's what I thought I was going to do. I thought I was going to be involved in that. Um, I've always been a really outdoorsy person. So those are things I care a lot about. Yeah, so that's the path I was headed on. And then I uh, figured I needed a way to pay for the rest of college. And so I joined Army ROTC during school. And so that means your career that you were kind of shooting for would be delayed a little bit, correct? Is that so walk yeah. me through that process? You're gonna you're going to pay back the US Army with some service, correct? <laughs> exactly, exactly. So at that time, it was uh, basically uh, four years on active duty and then four years um, in an inactive reserve status. So that was the plan. And uh, Tulane actually had a very big ROTC program because their um, financial package was so great. So there were a lot of us and it was just a great community to belong to. It made a, a you know college a little smaller and it was just an overall, you know, New Orleans was a fun place to be for a couple of years. <laughs> yeah, I wonder living in New Orleans versus going there once a year, you know, on a, on a trip had to be completely. Um, I mean, you talk about talk about that, the difference between that trip versus living there. You had to, there had to be places you hated to go eventually. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, aside from 
some random gunshots here and there. It, you know, it, it was great. I mean, it was it was a lot of fun. The food was amazing. Uh, living, you know, really in a city was a different experience for me. And I, I embraced it. Uh, you know, I, I was ready. And Tulane was a very challenging school. So, you know, the people who weren't disciplined uh, left, <laughs> didn't survive. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, that's, so. that's, well, that's a good thing, right? I mean, because you want people that are, you can have your fun, but you got to make sure you're, you're there for a reason, right? Oh, yeah. So Sunday through Wednesday, I was, I was studying. Coming out of school, um, out of an ROTC program, talk about you're not entering into it through a boot camp, I don't think. I mean, there's you're coming in as an officer of some sort. So what's that process look like? We did those boot camp kind of things uh, in the summers in college. So I went to one after my sophomore year and then after my junior year of college. And I love that. I mean, those were those were great for me. Um, I I've always been an outdoorsy person. I've always you know camped and hiked and loved getting dirty and um, you know that kind of situation was hard work. But you know I I often thought I was really lucky to get paid to walk around in the woods. Once I graduated and I got commissioned um, and got into the real army, it became more of a more of a desk job and a lot of bureaucracy. And of course, at that time, a lot of fields were not open to women. So um, the, the getting dirty ones uh, were not really so. And it was a different time too. I mean, you know, I'm talking about pre 9-11 and not a lot of big deployment stuff going on. So it was it was more preparation and training and, and desk stuff. Where were you stationed? I did training at Fort Gordon, Georgia, and then my first real duty station was um, Korea, Camp Humphreys, Korea, and then I came back after that and was stationed at Fort Lewis, Washington. How long was the deployment to Korea? Um, (laughs) It was one year, and uh, let's see, I was about 23 at the time. At 23, I was not really ready to embrace the cultural opportunity. (laughs) I've traveled to Asia several times since, and I love it, and I love the cultural opportunities now, but, you know, at 23, I, I, was, I was not having a lot of fun. Let's talk about the, the role of a signal officer, right? That was what you were, and I, I don't, I, I feel almost, I feel bad. I don't know exactly what that means, but how would you describe your role? Yeah, so a signal officer is responsible for the communications networks uh, you know, in the unit. So that could be radio systems. It could be like the mobile, you know, telephone kinds of systems between units in the field. Um, or it could be, in my case, a lot of computer networks. So I was doing things like, you know, getting Microsoft certified and, and such. So, okay. which absolutely nothing that interested me. <laughs> you, you put your four years in and you, you're out now. What's your first job after you leave the Army? I left Fort Lewis. I headed over to Maryland because that's where my husband was living. And um, I started looking for a job. And I went on a couple of um, tech-focused interviews. And in one, I went to this big bank downtown in Baltimore and, you know, the 42-story building that's all glass. And they they show me the closet that they're going to have me sit in um, and, and work on their networks. And I was just out. I was done. I said, there's no way. <laughs> so right. I, uh, I, I couldn't sit in a box. So I decided uh, that all my, all my high school and college jobs had been sales related. So I started looking at sales interviews. And um, I just kind of got connected with a company that was an office furniture manufacturer out of Chicago. 
um, a smaller company called Marvel. And really, they were looking for somebody who could sell and somebody who wasn't afraid to walk around a military base and talk to people and to know who was the, the right person to talk to. For me, that was great. My boss was in Chicago. I worked from home. You know, selling office furniture in D.C. to the government is like shooting fish in a barrel. So I, I worked for them for about a year. And then it, it took me that long to just kind of figure out how the business worked. Um, and I developed a client list and I quit. I figured out that I could do better on my own. I was making a lot of connections that then I couldn't sell to because uh, I only had one manufacturer's products to represent. So in the course of that year, I had met a lot of other people running more dealership style operations. And that's like, um, they kind of run like car dealerships. So, you know, Joe Brown might sell um, Jeeps and Fords and, you know, Sobs or whatever it is. And so, you know, I had now a dozen different manufacturers in my toolkits that, that I could sell to all of these clients that I'd, I'd built up. So it was, wow. it was definitely better to be on my own. You lived in Maryland and just commuted in? Um, I just went all around the D.C. area and sold. So, you know, northern Maryland to northern Virginia, basically. Yeah, and, and it was the perfect work. You know, I worked from home. Um, I had uh, two small children. It was great work when they were little. My husband was working on a military base nearby, and so I would, uh, you know, be home with the kids in the morning, around early lunch hour for him. I'd drop the kids off with him for an hour, hour and a half. I'd go do an appointment. I'd come back and get the kids. I'd go home, you know, start to do my work at the desk. I'd put everybody to bed, and then I'd go back to my desk at night and work till, you know, 11 or 12 on paperwork stuff. So I joke that I haven't seen primetime television since 2001. Because that was <laughs> and, and that hasn't changed in your new career so, or the no. one that you adopted. Let's talk about somehow, somehow real estate has to enter the picture. Was there some change for you that you said, you know, this, maybe this is too much of a grind and I want to try something different? Um, no, I was just bored. Um, nobody, nobody ever says they want to sell furniture when they grow up. So um, I just, I did it because it was my own business and it was, uh, making money and it gave me the flexibility to be with my kids when I wanted to be. Through that, worked with a lot of architects and interior designers and construction companies. So I got interested in in houses and uh, I really hate the real estate argument of like, oh, I think I want to do this because I love pretty houses. Uh, but that's kind of how it started. I had a good friend who'd been in the business for a long time and she knew I was running my other business and she agreed to let me come along with her and help her out and learn. Um, and so I got my license in Maryland. And So two, 2011, you get your license. I, you know, I, I, I talked to hundreds of well, probably thousands of realtors in my career about what they do and how they do it. And I think um, the background you brought to the table from the beginning had to be such a huge advantage for you. One, you know, oh, yeah. the army training, right? The discipline, all the tech stuff. And two, a sales background and an entrepreneur. It's like a perfect match. I mean, you're the perfect person to go into real estate. You know that, right? <laughs> well, <laughs> I, um, you know, the army training was certainly invaluable. I mean, I think that it gave me a lot of responsibility at a very young age. Um, and it's one of the few places where you can get formal leadership training, you know, right out of the gate. So that for sure, um, everything I did with furniture, I mean, 
I had no business background. I made everything up as I went along. You know, it just happened that it worked. And, you know, I saw an opportunity. And I think that's kind of how I've gotten a lot of places in my life is, you know, I always kind of lamented not knowing the answer to the uh, what do you want to be when you grow up question. You know, I always thought I should have a better answer to that, but nothing was really ever popping out at me. But now I think it's a strength. You know, I think it's it has allowed me to see opportunities and take advantage of them where if I had been in a career that had a defined name, then maybe I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have taken them. Yeah, you, you might not have what you have now, which sounds pretty good. So we're, we're, we're working our way up to that. But you, you, you have a detour to Hawaii. I'm going to assume this had to do with the Army. Well, so my husband had a job opportunity in Hawaii, and, and he's been out of the military for a long time, but he works for the okay. government. And, uh, and so, yeah, he came home one day and, and said there was an opportunity for Hawaii. And, you know, I looked around and I was like, I don't really want to live in Maryland. I never meant to. I don't really want to be selling furniture. I never meant to. <laughs> you know, kids are old enough that we can go and they'll enjoy it and have this experience. And so, yeah, let's go. So off to Hawaii you go, and you're going to, I mean, starting a new real estate you know, business in a new place where you don't really have connections is kind of difficult. Talk about that process you know, as you get there. Yeah. So we got there in 2012, and I knew nothing about Hawaii. I couldn't say the street names. I didn't know anybody from anything. So I took a little while to figure out what I wanted to do because I figured – when else am I going to have a break in my life to just consider the options? Um, so I, I did kind of look at furniture again, you know, maybe I'll go work for, you know, a bigger name company that's got big brands, you know, associated with it. And eh, I wasn't excited about that. I looked at maybe doing commercial because frankly, the, the Maryland market was not exciting to me. Uh, so I thought the Hawaii market wouldn't be either. And commercial real estate in Hawaii is a whole other thing. So that I was not a fit for that. Yeah, so eventually I, I looked around and decided to, to jump back in. And I uh, did my research. You know, I knew what I was looking for. The company that I had been with in Maryland was very small boutique and very low-tech and nepotistic. And I, I didn't want any of that. And I thought, well, you know, maybe I could join a franchise and get, you know, the structured education because that's what I thought I had always been missing in my business was, you know, structured education, the furniture business. I just made everything up as I went along and, you know, worked it out. But I, I thought that that would probably come with a lot of requirements as well. And I'm not, I don't think I'm a very corporate person. So um, I was kind of looking for a small brokerage, but that was doing it right. And had great technology and um, had, you know, a place where I thought I could have some influence and contribute. So I found Hawaii Life. <laughs> Which I think is just awesome because I've known about Hawaii Life since 2010 or 11 when I saw Matt at an Inman conference uh, light up a stage. He's an amazing guy. He's been a, yeah, he's been a guest on the podcast. Let's talk about meeting Matt Beal and, and you know, having those conversations and, and deciding to make that your home. <laughs> so, well, I didn't meet Matt until, uh, you know, quite a while after I had joined Hawaii Life because he okay. lives on Kauai and, um, and I was on Oahu. 
so I met the local leadership first and basically, you know, pursued them. At the time, you know, Hawaii Life's line was, you know, we don't hire new people. We only want experienced agents. And so I said, okay, no problem. I'm an experienced agent because I'd had a license for, you know, a year in Maryland. So met up with them, kept pursuing them and, you know, basically assumed that I was going to get signed on. And eventually they, they did. So nobody told me no. So I kept coming back. And then I, I met Matt at an, like a, I don't know, like a YPN event or something like that, where uh, one of our one of our other agents was on a panel and, you know, I trapped him, I think for about 20 minutes and just asked him, you know, very direct <laughs> questions. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that he wanted to get away. So <laughs> he was a good sport about it as he always is. He's a very interesting fellow. I think he gave me the best answer. You know, you're going to have the same question at the end of this interview, but he, I asked him, you know, what one piece of advice would you give a new agent just getting started in the business? And it's one of my favorite answers. And he said, I'm going to go a little woohoo here, but they need to learn how to meditate so they can focus better on what they do. And that's a brilliant, that's awesome. It's a brilliant answer. I don't know how many people are going to do it, but does yeah. that sound like Matt? That sounds like Matt, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. That definitely sounds like Matt. Yeah. He's always so um, ready to to bring the Hawaii lifestyle to the business. And that was one of the things that made Hawaii life so attractive. He, he's an excellent leader, an excellent businessman. You know, he's got Winston Welborn as, uh, you know, the, the marketing and design guy, and he has a, a, a beautiful vision. Um, and, and we were all really fortunate to have so much excellent material surrounding us an ocean and surf and mountains and palm trees. And we made the product a lifestyle not a house. And that was what made, uh, you know, real estate in Hawaii so special. And that's the kind of thing you can do when your brokerage is 100%, you know, locally grown. The Hawaii years have to come to an end. What you, you come back to Maryland? Is that the way the route or was it through some other interme intermediary stop? Yeah, no, I came back to Maryland. Uh, my husband's job uh, got transferred back. So I, uh, I decided I didn't want to give up my business in Hawaii because it had been very good to me. Cowell Banker there made me a great offer, and there was a business partner who was a great fit already at Coldwell Banker. So I moved over there uh, to partner up with her, and I came back to Maryland, and um, I basically do all of the behind-the-scenes stuff for Hawaii transactions and, and marketing and uh, keeping in touch with my sphere. And then Anita does all the on-the-ground stuff, and it has worked out brilliantly for almost two years now. Wow, that's fantastic. I mean, I, I love that. I love that kind of a story because it's I don't think many agents think that way, that there is a way right to, to keep oh, working yeah. something you built up. That's awesome. I figured I could just refer out, but I thought that my business and my work was more valuable than that. So, you know, I, I tried to set up a situation where I could stay involved, stay connected, go back a couple times a year, which is really nice. No, <laughs> yeah, they, it's for work, so there might be some tax advantages. I'm just thinking. Definitely. So, no. <laughs> okay, let's let's um, let's talk though about what what you've discovered and what you're doing now in Maryland. You are uh, part of. Um, I love your title, Director of Agent Intel with Millie. Yeah. <laughs> and so we need to get first of all, we got to find out what Millie is. Um, I and obviously, I think for people to seeing the title, the Director of Agent Intel. Um, maybe they're going to tell that it's got a military angle to it, but talk about discovering Ken Robbins and, and what he and his team was doing at Melly. 
Yep. So I actually, uh, I ran into Ken when I was with Hawaii Life because uh, I was one of the people with Hawaii Life that knew about military stuff. And there's a big military market on Oahu. And uh, the folks, you know, sitting on Kauai are not so into the military stuff. So uh, I got connected with Ken then, figured out that we had friends in common and learned about Millie. And uh, basically, Millie is their company that's devoted to making the military move process easier for service members and their families. Um, Ken had a very successful army career. He settled in the DC area after, and his wife is a realtor. And, you know, their family had PCS something like 12 times. PCS is? Permanent change of station. Good. The military move is, is a, a PCS, yeah. permanent change of station move. So, and Ken knew firsthand how many gaps there were between, you know, what the government tells a service member and, and what they and their family actually need to know. And um, so he has recruited a fantastic team of people, um, all veterans and military spouses, and, and they tirelessly and generously try to fill that gap for military families. People being um, PCS'd to Hawaii, uh, it, at one level must sound kind of fun, but at the other level, oh my gosh, how do you find housing? It's going to be expensive. And are you on base or off base? Or am I kind of on the right track here? Oh, yeah. Well, and that was one of the conversations that I was having with Hawaii Life, you know, with Matt and Winston was to say, hey, you know, not everybody who's here actually chose to come, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. They could actually not be excited about being so far away from their social network, grandma who can babysit. You know, we need to not assume right. that everybody coming here is thrilled about it. I mean, they'll right. grow to be thrilled about it, but <laughs> it's a hard thing. <laughs> That's why Ken was there initially, but you you make this connection and when you come back to Maryland, it must have been very easy to to reach out and get connected with the uh, company. Yeah, so when I knew I was coming back, I let him know, I said, "Hey, you know, just checking in with you, not sure what I'm going to do when I get back there. Um, keep me in mind if you have something going on." So Millie has a couple of different programs. Um, first, they have a network of scouts, and those are military spouses around different bases who help other military families um, kind of on a gig economy, you know, per job basis. So like if you want somebody to go down the street and take a picture of a rental house for you, you know, make sure you're not getting a getting scammed or something like that. You know, you can just pay that person and and they'll go take care of that. So that's one way that Millie helps support um, those families. And then they also have a realtor referral network. It's called Agent Hero. And all of the agents in the Agent Hero network are vetted agents who are veterans, military spouses. Uh, they have to be experienced in PCSing personally, and they have to have published reviews, you know, that they've done a certain amount of business. So I was an early joiner of the, the Agent Hero Network. So I, I'd known about that for a couple of years. Um, and then Ken had, they had so much content built up that they had developed from focus groups with military families. And, you know, they thought agents need to know this stuff. We've got a lot of agents who work with the military are former military. And a lot of them just happen to be in military markets. So... Agent Intel was developed to turn all that content that had been kind of focused toward military families, educating them, um, 
focusing it toward educating agents. So Agent Intel is a content subscription service that anybody can join, but it's for agents who work with military and veterans who want to have something, you know, credible and military specific to say to those clients every week. So it's, it's kind of like a KCM, but specifically for military. So those are, we have weekly blogs, toolkits, checklists, VA loan guides, base guides for many bases around the country. Um, and they're all brandable and shareable for our subscribers. So you're, you connect with Millie, but you also, there's, a, I saw another company as I was doing my homework and it really surprised me because the company is called, it's called Weston Main Transactions. And I know Stacy Staub and I'm pretty sure Stacy created Weston Main back in Colorado. So please <laughs> tell me you're connected to Stacy <laughs> with this, with yes. this company. Good. <laughs> yes. Yes. Tell yes. Me about with full tell permission. <laughs> okay. Good. Yeah, so I came back to the Annapolis area and was talking with uh, my local brokerage here, and they don't do transaction management. They, it's, it was a foreign concept to a lot of people here. So I said, you know, I see a tremendous need for this, and throughout this region, I've gotten some great people to support that. So I decided I was going to start uh, Weston Maine Transactions. And I asked Stacy if I could work with her uh, for her beautiful branding, which fits the Annapolis area so well because our two main streets in Annapolis are West and Maine. And wow. we're a Navy town, so our colors are Navy and gold. So you might recognize some of that. And she yep. was just extremely generous in working with me on it. And, um, and so, yeah, so I have a transaction management company uh, starting up. And we're connecting that to Millie in that one of the things I learned in working with Millie was, you know, about military spouse unemployment and underemployment. And actually, my transaction coordinator in Hawaii is a military spouse who works from home, who's been with me for about five years. So, um, you know, I have connections in that in that area, and I would love to provide a way for military spouses to have meaningful and consistent and portable work. So that's what I'm doing with Weston Maine. I love that. I mean, you think about it, you know, there are so many levels to the, to, to a relocation of a family, right. In the military. And so to be able to help with that is, is awesome. And that leads right into my next question, which is, you know, what are some of those other issues? What are the most common issues that personnel and their families deal with on, on a regular basis? Really it's, it's how to connect to your, to develop a new network, right? To come right. to a community that you're not a part of and, and get connected and figure it out and have the support that you need, whether that be childcare or, you know, Hey, I love to ride horses. Where do I go? Or, um, getting a spouse, a job, um, financial stress is a huge thing for military families. Um, most military spouses are unemployed or underemployed and, I've connected clients with jobs when they've arrived in Hawaii. So there are a lot of issues that go into it. And when you're rebuilding that network every three to five years, it's exhausting and it's, it's, it's hard. Let's ask about, talk about uh, NAR and their, they have a designation, right? Military Relocation Professional or MRP. I think it's been around for a little while, right? But I think I read somewhere that Millie had, um, was, part of the team that kind of helped update that recently. 
Yeah. So I think that it was first developed, I want to say around 2013, 14-ish. And I just happened to uh, meet the folks who who work with that program um, at the NAR uh, convention in Boston. And it turned out that they were going to... Um, you know, update the program, renovate it, and include new things. So um, we just had a great experience collaborating with them. Um, Katie Eddy is the person that we worked with there. And uh, we were allowed to contribute written text for the course materials. And we also recorded a webinar for their members. Is, is there a quick takeaway we can do right here on the podcast? You know, for realtors that, you know, are not certified or, or, don't really work in those kinds of markets, uh, but 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 run into opportunities to help someone in the military. What what are a couple of things they should know about when working with a military client? Um, you should definitely know that it's high stress. That the timelines are usually short. You'll often have decisive people who are ready to get right down to business. So you know, be the guide. You know, direct the way. And keep your ears open because there are a lot of other stressors. You know, if you can help people find temporary lodging, if you can connect people to the childcare in your area, if you can help them get um, connected with a new church or a new dentist or, you know, whatever support service they might need. I mean, you know, as realtors, we tend to um, get hesitant about things like connecting it. Uh, people to schools or not wanting to promote a certain school, something like that. But, you know, I can always say, oh, I have a friend with kids at that school. Let me let me get you guys together. You can talk, you know, just making those introductions for people to make that first day of school a little easier uh, goes a long way. What's what's on the horizon for Millie? What's next? Well, hopefully more work with NAR. I mean, that's just been a a fabulous opportunity. And I think that we have so much uh, to share that you know, it's such a great, great partnership. I have applied to put together a panel for the San Francisco meetings this fall. So we'll see about that. We would love to come spread the word at at state conventions and events. Uh, Yeah. And and we're always looking for resources for corporate partners who want to consider the military all year round. You know, we find that uh, people get into the holidays, the military, the the national holidays sometimes, but it's sometimes hard for the uh, civilian world to know what to say or what to ask, but, you know, we're, we're always here as a resource. Allison, I've had you here the, the, over the half hour I've asked of you, and I, I want to just ask you a very simple question. It's the same question I've asked every single guest on the podcast, and that is, if you could give one piece of advice to a new agent just getting in the business, what would it be? <laughs> Never, ever forget, even for a single day, that you're running your own small business. I think you always have to have that in your mind, that we get into this business for a lot of different reasons. A lot of people, I think, don't realize that they are small business owners, but that's what it is every day. You can help people along the way. You can make people happy. You can look at beautiful homes, but you are running a business that does that. That's great. Allison, if people want to reach out and talk to you or they want to get more information about Millie, this is the chance for you to let us know websites, places to go, stuff, email addresses, and I'll put all this in the show notes as well. Okay. Um, Millie is gomillie.com. Go, M-I-L-L-I-E.com. I am 
Allison, A-L-I-S-O-N, at AllisonWisdom.com. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a broker in Maryland and Hawaii, so you can find me at a Coldwell Banker office, and I'm happy to, happy to help. Allison, thank you so much for your time today. I, it really was a great story. I, I'm so happy to know that the people that do make this sacrifice, it, it truly is a sacrifice of but pretty big proportions. I, we tend to just kind of think, oh, no, it's just a job. No, it's not just a job. It's definitely um, a calling, and, and, and it's something that's so important. And to know that there are people like you and then the, the folks at Millie taking care of them, it just makes me happy. So thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much, Bill. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk with you about all of it.